Welcome to Songwriter Trists, an intimate podcast that interviews artists about the art of songwriting and find out more about the life behind the songs. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee, your host for this show. Music saved my life and I want to talk to other songwriters about the power of songwriting, talk about their journey and how they got to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. For more information on this podcast and the guests, visit songwritertrists.com. Welcome to a Songwriter Trist with Jade Holland. We finally got here. Hi. <laughs> we did. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. So I start off all the podcasts um, with a really simple question is to get the artist in your own words. Tell us who are you and where do you come from? Oh, I am, I don't know, like a little country music artist, I guess. I come from a little hippie town called Coranda. Uh, it's northwest of Cairns. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I fell into music. Mm-hmm. It was an accident and I've loved it ever since. It's one of those things where I said if, uh, if I turn around and I call it a job or I ever say, oh, I'm not feeling music today, that's the day I quit. Wow. Yeah. That's mm. cool. How, yeah. How, does, how does one accidentally fall into music? Uh, I went to a a little open mic night. Uh, I was about 11 years old. My family took me there and one of my friends, Shandell Tosoni, was performing Mm -hmm. and I'd never seen her perform. You know, I knew she was a singer but never seen her play and she was a little bit older than me and she hopped up on this stage with just her and her guitar and I just remember sitting there going and I said to mum, I'm going to do that and my mum said, holy crap, you can't sing. (laughs) (laughs) And I went... Thanks, well, Mom. <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out how to do it because this is what I'm going to do for a living. And she said, okay, well, we'll see how we go with that. And yeah. I just said, oh, I'm going to make it work ever since. And it was funny. My parents are from that era where you had to have a trade or a qualification to have a job in this life, you know, yep. Yep. and uh, that's how you make ends meet. Mm-hmm. And so I remember just um, them kind of going, you can't You live on music. We don't know anyone who lives on music. We don't even know how you live on music, but yeah. you can't do it. And I remember getting paid for like one of my first ever shows that I did. I must have been maybe 16 or 17 and my parents went, huh, Yeah. people pay you to play? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Everyone just thought it was like a bit of a hobby, you know. Yeah. And um, we also lived in the bush, you know. We lived 50 minutes away from anyone and all civil- civilization. and I thought, you know, it's going to be a lot more difficult for me growing up because I had to teach myself. Mm. I didn't have a guitar teacher or a singing teacher or anything. My parents, I love them, but they're not musical mm. at all. Um, yeah. Mum is a mean karaoke singer. Uh, we pay her to get off the stage. And um, <laughs> dad dad can definitely play the air guitar. Nice. Well and truly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's a skill in itself. I'm pretty sure they have big air guitar competitions. <laughs> oh, 100%, 100%. I do remember when I was um, younger I bought him a Christmas present that was, you know, in a, in packaging so it had a little plastic top and the, the cardboard box at the back yeah. and it had, you know, air guitar inside. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, no way. Really? You bought him an air guitar yeah, for Christmas? <laughs> I did. I bought him an air guitar. I, I just paid $15 for a box, so... <laughs> 
well, who's the real chum in that scenario? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Now that makes me, I'm going to start up a songwriter tryst air guitar box <laughs> for sale. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> do it. I think people will buy it. You'd be surprised. I did it. <laughs> oh, obviously. <laughs> All right. So so you were, um, how old were you, like eight or 11, you said? I was 11 when 11. I started. Yeah. yeah. So when, how did you go from being 11 to learning to sing, playing guitar, writing your first song? It was, uh, you know, at the time we didn't really have much knowledge on how you do it. We knew that because uh, I initially wanted to be a pop singer, you know, I was like, Britney Spears, eat your heart out, you know, I'm going to do this. And then when we realised like there's nowhere, it, there was nowhere as a kid for me to perform pop music mm. and Shandell used to sing country music and I was like, oh, I like this music, it's all right, you know, mm. and my parents didn't know what country music was. Yeah, They didn't have a clue. I was brought up on like Led Zeppelin and Metallica and ZZ wow. Top and yeah. um, Tony Childs and, you know, kind of everything that little uh, touches a little bit on the country spectrum but isn't actually in the country spectrum at all. Yeah, And um, so I just remember we, we spoke to a few friends of mine and we spoke to Shandell and um, one of my friends, she drew on an A4 sheet of paper about six guitar chords for me. So she drew the lines and uh, the strings and the frets and which number your fingers were. So one, two, three, four. And, uh, and that's how I learned where to put my fingers on the fretboard. And, um, and, and Shandell just said, just sing with the radio, you know? So I would sit there trying to work out with my six, six chords that I could play (laughs) and I would have the radio turned up and because we didn't have a computer at this point, you know, yep. and I would just try and figure out what those chords were. And I'm sure they were probably wrong three quarters of the time, but there might be one time where I'm like, I've got it. It's a G chord. <laughs> <laughs> and mum's like, oh, woo-hoo, that's one out of a hundred, you know. <laughs> and then uh, mm. I just started doing that. And there used to be, you know, small country music festivals. I mean, there still is, but obviously post COVID we're yeah. figuring out how that's going to work. Yep. But I would go to these country music festivals and I tried to write out my own little chord charts and I would sit there and explain it to the band as best I could and I could play my really average guitar chords and mm. strum along and uh, I think that's where I learned a lot. You know, you learn a lot how to how to play with other musicians. Yeah. I was super green. I'd only ever played with a radio, so it's a very yeah. different experience, uh, especially because sometimes my chords were wrong. Uh, (laughs) on my chord charts and then you know and I would be singing and then a backup singer would jump in there and I'd go what are you doing like (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're doing here you know so I I had to start from like literally the 
very beginning because my parents didn't have a clue. Mm. Um, Love them dearly. They bought me my first guitar, which Mm. I think was about $150 and it was called a Magnum. I don't even know if they make that brand of guitar anymore. Um, And I was a left-hander and I still am left-handed, but they bought a right-handed guitar because they didn't know you could buy a left-handed guitar. Yeah, okay. So... I sat there with my, you know, my left-handed guitar, I'm sorry, left-hander playing a right-handed guitar and I was like, oh, wow, I find the chords really easy and my right hand's going, what is this strumming thing doing? Like, <laughs> it was the weirdest motion. Yeah. And I just started from there. We just did festival after festival um, and my parents had, had one rule, the yeah. one rule, well, sorry, two rules. One, don't get a fat head or we'll go home. Yeah. And two, if you don't practice for eight hours a week, you don't go. And wow. they just said, you know, we, we'll put the time and effort in if you want to put the time and effort in. And mm. I loved music that much. I played two hours of guitar and singing every single day. Wow. It was not a problem for me, you know. It was mm. something where I just went, oh, yes, let's go, let's do this. We can get to the next show, you know, ne- next festival. And when I was, you know, um, younger and, st- and I won a couple of things, I never, ever came first. It's one of the most... It's like a bittersweet but very cool experience never coming first because it makes you hungry for first. Yeah, okay. But it just meant that I put so much more effort into it because I was like, yes, this weekend I'm going to try my hardest and I'm going to try and get a first place and I did it. But yeah. I was like, that's all right, next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that hunger and that drive kept me going. But uh, every time I won something, I would. this is how I did it. I would keep the trophies. So my poor parents have got 10 boxes of trophies (laughs) at home under their house. I'm not kidding when I say this. They're telling me that the second I buy my house this year, they're giving the the awards back to me so that I can store them under my house. (laughs) Um, But every time we got any bit of pocket money, I would hand it straight to mum and I kept the trophy and mum would put the pocket money to go towards the fuel for the next weekend because we put, mm. uh, we had a brand new car, a RAV4, when I was about 13 years old. Nice. And we put 250,000 Ks on that in four years. Wow. So that's like 70, 60 to 70,000 Ks per year, you know, and you yeah. just go, wow, that's that's a wild amount of kilometres. <laughs> so are you, um, are you an only child or? No, so I have a little brother. Um, His name is Mitchell and he played football for the first, I don't know, maybe six or seven years of, you know, uh, after he turned 10 and he was amazing at it. But my brother is definitely um, my mother's son, as in his mum's very sweet, very kind, very gentle, don't hurt anybody. You put out to the world what you want to receive back. And Mitchell was amazing at football. He was this big kid as a as a young fella mm. and he would tackle people and then he would help them off the ground. When my dad and I are standing on the sideline, we're like, we're like, get him! <laughs> tackle him! So not so, naturally competitive. No, no. Yeah. And he's just too kind for it, you know, too too sweet. And um, I was definitely like the go-getter. I, was, <laughs> I, I definitely followed in my dad's footsteps there and, Mitch, he didn't really want to do anything after sport. Like he he decided, oh, I don't like hurting people anymore. I don't want to play sport. And he just kind of um, just got his head down into his schoolwork and and everything else like that. So mm. he just followed me around, you know. Mum and Dad said, whatever you want to do, we'll do it. And he said, I don't want to do anything. Oh. So he was he just he just did his schoolwork and followed me. <laughs> Simple. That's the way you want it. Yeah. Like it's always hard when you've got, yeah, two children and you're trying to 
make everyone happy. But um, yeah, it yeah. sounds like he was quite happy to let you do what you're doing and he could just do what he yeah. wanted to do. Beautiful. That's right, yeah. So was there a clear moment in amongst all of this where um, it was like the moment where you decided this is going to be your career path? Like, because yeah, it is a hobby there, for a lot of people. There was a few of them. Um, I feel like it happens all the time uh, for me. Like it's it's like a reoccurring moment that reminds me that, yes, I'm on the right path and I'm doing this um, for a purpose. I, I don't know what that purpose is, but it fills me with greatness doing this. So mm. it fills me with joy and that's what I think is, you know, the best thing in life. If you're doing something that keeps you happy and you're always saying, um, uh, there's a thing on a TV show that I've recently watched and it's, uh, you know, when you're cleaning out your cupboard, because I'm I'm not the best person at throwing away old clothes, but they say, <laughs> does this item bring you joy? And the, if the answer is yes, keep yep. doing it, keep it, keep doing it. And I was like, so I've like adapted that into my life. I'm like, does this bring you joy? But yeah. one of the clear defining moments, um, I was about 16 and I just started to learn how to write my own music and I didn't know how to write music. I just mm. kind of thought, okay, I need a verse and a chorus and a verse and another chorus and a bridge mm. and maybe a lead break and I finished the song. Yeah. Um, and so I remember going to this little country music festival and uh, there was, I think I was trying to go for one of the scholarships that were available and I didn't get it. Mm. Um, but I, I knew personally that I'd worked my absolute butt off um, to get there. And and I was still proud of myself, but something inside me was quite disheartened by it. And one of the judges came up to me and he said, he said, mate, you need to know that whilst you didn't win the scholarship, he said, I would buy your album. And he said, and everyone else in that audience, if you had albums for sale right now, we would buy your album. He said, whilst we're judging a competition, it doesn't matter what the judges think. He said, if someone tells you they're going to come and buy your album, those are the people that are going to come and buy tickets to your show. They're going to buy your hats and wear them to your show. They're going to buy stubby coolers and put them on Facebook and tell people that they bought your stubby cooler. And he said, those are the people that that matter the most. And And I said, wow. And he said, do you have an album yet? And I said, no. And he said, well, you better get cracking. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, okay. He said, because I want to buy your album. Yeah. And I, I just, for me, I went, oh, you know, I'd just written like my first song at 16 years old. I played yeah. it in front of an audience thinking, I don't know if this is a good song or an average song. I'm learning, you know, mm. and just wading my way through the water, hoping to find like a little boy sticking up in the water to <laughs> keep yeah. me afloat. And and that was it. That was like my, my lifesaver, you know. I went, okay. Well, I need to. I need to make an album. I need to write an album, and I need to um, sell it to the people who care. Yeah, you know, and to yeah. the people who listen. And that was that was my very first turning point for me. And I thought, no, nope, I've got to do this. Oh, that's awesome! I love that because yeah. it's so true. You're never going to make everyone happy, and there's always going to be someone prettier or with a better voice or whatever you know out there that we can compare ourselves to. But it's the people that care that make it worth worthwhile absolutely you know yeah. and and they you know I, I find it I still find it really exciting there's you know I got a lady who ordered a t-shirt from me the other day she has every single one of my t-shirts that I've ever <laughs> bought out yeah and every single one of my stubby coolers and she's got both of my albums and mm. and I just think like thank you that's yeah. you know that keeps me going because and even if it's just that one person you know in that moment that just 
fills me with such inspiration and, and gratitude. You know, I just think, wow, you thank you for supporting me and live music in general because we all need it, you know? Yeah. Oh, and it goes so far and I think it is. it can be really easy to get bogged down on the one negative comment of someone or maybe losing a competition or something like that when there are definitely way more people out there ready to support you and, and encourage you than there are people yeah. who are going to waste their time trying to put you down. Absolutely. Yeah, so well done. It, it is. It's a mental a mental exercise. <laughs> yeah, But it's that's one it. that we all have to do, yeah. <laughs> so what is your main hope or do you have like a message behind your music that you find always comes through? I've only got two albums out and I know that they've had two different directions. It's two more than me, um, so you're doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, babe, there's no better time now than, than to start right now. <laughs> but I think, um, so like my first album was a learning, a learning experience. And I think you can hear that in the music. I was learning how to write an album, learning how to put together an album, learning how to record. I'd never been in a recording studio, mm. you know, walking in there with the big cans for your headphones. And yeah. I stood there thinking, this is really daunting and this, you know, gorgeous big microphone in front of me and I remember saying to my producer, Sean, I, th- I think I need some extra light in the studio room or something and he pulled out an entire box, not a little box, like a big packing removalist box full of fairy lights and he said, Aww. looks like a fairy just spewed up in here. Is this okay for you? And I thought, this is magnificent. <laughs> and That's it just so cool. made me feel at home, you know, and I think when I listened to that first album I did, it's got... I don't think it's got a direction, but I can I can tell that I was learning, mm. and um, and I think that's what the album kind of feels like to me is is I was learning and um, and I was putting bits and pieces together, and and I think you can just hear that. My mm. second album, I had been single for five years, right before Fun I times. found my love. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a it's a whole other world, you know. And I thought from <laughs> when I was young enough, and I had a boyfriend. I'd always been with someone and then I, my ex cheated on me, which is actually a blessing. It is, mm. I'm so grateful. And if I could meet him again one day, I would shake his hand and say thanks because those five years of being single taught me so much about myself. And mm. I think my second album was, it wasn't so much learning. It was more of a statement of who I am now. It was like, you know what? Thank you for that. I appreciate what you did and I found me because of what you had done I love and I am so grateful for it you know I that album Dream Wild it was all about me realizing and acknowledging that something bad did happen to me but mm. I lived through it Re- like really what's what's so bad you know yeah. um, it was a learning point I realized that I'm strong enough by myself I don't need somebody mm. um, I realized that Um, these are all little lessons that we learn and we have to go through it because if we don't, I don't know what I've got to say. You know, I I like to think that, I mean, I got a few comments when people heard drive through and they said, wow, you have inspired me to know that I'm going to be okay after this. And that, that, you know, you can put your foot down and say, Hey, actually enough's enough. Step away. So good. good. (laughs) You know, and that album, I think really, um, it, it allowed me to bring out who I was and who I became in those five years. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it was, it's a beautiful thing. I'm so in love with that album. That's awesome. I, I loved being single and I think that it is an important 
time for every young female to be single for a little while. And when I say a little yes. while, like for me, at least two years. <laughs> because yeah, yeah, 100%. It's so hard to, like you said, get to know who you are as a person when you're also constantly trying to think about the other person and what they want and yeah. kind of because inherently females, we're very um, people pleasers and – yeah, we, it's very easy for us to almost convince ourselves that we like something to make someone else happy. That's exactly yeah. right. And we and we change a little bit of who we are and, and we probably lose, depending on your relationship, but we probably lose a little bit of who we are as well. Mm. And then when we when we, you know, do go through that single phase, I think it's uh, it's like discovering who we are all over again in a sense and um, mm. that freedom, you know, when you can let your hair down and take your shoes off and just enjoy life. It's, um, it is a freeing feeling, you know, and then, and when you, I think when you do find someone, it's still so surreal for me to say, because, you know, it's been a year and and everything like that, but, um, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's like, I didn't have to change who I was to be with this person, which tells me I'm with the right person. Yeah. Whereas if before I felt like I lost myself and I was changing who I was and I had to go through that single phase to, no, 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 remind myself, hey, this is you are, queen, who you are, just mm. calm down. You don't have to change to be some, what someone else likes. When I was really young and just dating, I, I, I married my third boyfriend, so I can't really talk, but I only dated a couple of times and someone gave me some really good advice. They said, um, they asked me, what do you like about this person? This is another boyfriend before my husband and I started giving all reasons like reasons why it logically worked and they're like it's not going to work and I'm like why and she said because the right person you'll have no idea why they're the right person it'll just feel right and you'll just know and I was like oh okay and now that and and I really didn't understand that concept and I hated that saying actually you'll know when you know like (laughs) yeah hated it (laughs) And then, I, and then I met my husband and it was like, yeah, I just knew. And it was like, there's absolutely yeah. no logic behind us being together. <laughs> We're so opposite. Yeah. But it was just like a... See, I think yeah. that's logic right there though. If you're so opposite, it's it's logical. I can tell you my partner, mm. Chad, not, and I'm not <laughs> kidding when I say this, I will come home from tour, I will put the dirty clothes in the dirty clothes basket. I don't put the washing on because yeah. I don't think about that. And then I get all the clean clothes out of my suitcase. I dump them on the spare bed. And then he comes through and goes, oh, they're driving me crazy. So he goes through (laughs) and folds them all and gets them prepped ready for my next tour. And I'm sitting there going, why are you so good to me? (laughs) I've got all week to do this, to to fix that all up and everything. And he goes, well, at least it's done now, you know, yeah. or I clean, I do all the cooking. I, I cook because I love cooking. Yeah. And he's like, if you cook like that for the rest of my life, I'll clean up for the rest of your life. Now I accidentally, <laughs> every time I cook, I use every utensil, bowl, plate, saucepan, frying pan <laughs> in the house. I don't mean to. It's like we're, I'm cooking for two people, but there's enough food for an army yeah. and there's like 55 bowls in the sink that are dirty that looks like an army's visited and I, yeah. and I just have to think, I'm really sorry. <laughs> we are totally the opposite but yeah. the yin to my yang, you know, it works, yeah. I guess. It really does and it's always the best. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about co-writing? Have you done much co-writing in your career and what's been Do your you know experience? What? Most of my career has been co-writing. I, I don't know what it is but I don't, maybe I don't um, have enough faith in myself 
as a solo songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the first person to put my hand up and say, um, do I think I'm an incredible songwriter? No. But I co-write with everyone and I, it it always comes out that my the lines that I've written down are the hook lines. Mm. So what I've established is I may not be amazing at writing a song by myself, but I can walk into a songwrite contribute my fair share and I can come up with the hook line and the title for the song and the concept and that seems to be what works for me and and the people that I write with yeah um I don't know what it, I think it might just be that I just don't have enough faith in myself to write that song by myself I'm maybe I'm worried about what it is I'm going to say mm. or I'm super analytical that uh you know maybe I need to make sure like in my own brain I'm going is that right? Is that how I would write it with somebody else? Yeah. I'm not sure what the little um, thing is that's holding me back. It's on my, I do believe in a new New Year's resolution. Yep. I am that person that puts down weight loss or, you know, healthy <laughs> eating and, and regular exercise. And no then alcohol. I wrote down <laughs> no alcohol. Yeah. And then I wrote down um, write your first song by yourself. Now I have written songs by myself. Mm. but I'm just, no one will probably ever hear those. I don't know that they're ready for the world to hear. Maybe one day I'll put one out there, but I always co-write and I really love it because I I find um, I I always come up with the concepts and the hook Mm. lines and and my bits and pieces by myself and then I walk into a songwriter and when I see the songwriter's face light up when I say my hook line, you know, drive through. I remember walking in. It was a very daunting um, writing experience, actually. I was fresh and brand new to Nashville. It was my first ever trip to Nashville. Um, I'm sitting there with Phil Barton, Sinead Burgess and Bruce Wallace, and they said, all right, well, um, everyone's got a guitar except for me because I was just sitting there just taking in the experience and I figured these guys are better guitarists than me, so I'm going to just let you guys do your thing. Yeah. And I said, oh, these are my song ideas. And the first one I came out with was this ain't no drive through. And they were like, that's the song. We're writing that song. And I was like, yeah. oh, cool. Oh, are you sure? <laughs> do you want to hear anything else? And they were like, nope, this is going to be your first number one. And I was like, I've yeah. just told you a, like a line. I don't think that's enough. And they said, this is it. Let's write it. And I kept going on with a few more lyrics that I that I had for the chorus. Yep. And they were like, yep, radio, here we go. And we just started writing this song and it flowed. It came out within like 45 minutes and we wow. wrote, um, recorded a little demo of it for the band in the studio. And um, I just sat there afterwards, even just listening to the acoustic version going, Oh, that's a song. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a cool song. That's a good song. And then when I heard it come to life in the studio, it's like magic. Mm. And it's like watching magic unfold and hearing it. Mm. And I just remember thinking, this is my first single off this new album. I know this. I can feel it. But what you felt was never enough this morning.
Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. Oh, I've got chills running down my spine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the magic that you want to have. And I think going to Nashville was what taught me that that's okay to just be the hook and ideas person. And not just okay, like that's an important thing. Like there are people who yes. are really good with lyrics and there are people who are really good with melody. But like the hook and the, the title and the idea is so important. Like if it's not strong, the melody yep. and the lyrics can do anything. So um, Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm excited. Yeah, I think it's like the, the kind of, um, I think it's a good place to start as well, you know, because mm-hmm. I've definitely walked into songwriting sessions where they haven't been for me. So I've had songwriting, I've had song ideas, but I didn't want to take over someone else's session. Mm. And, you know, waiting for that hook to kind of come around as we're all throwing out ideas, you know, I mean, you could be there forever. And yeah. if it's not working, it's, you know, it's music's such a feeling that you know in the first 10 to 20 minutes you're like sitting there going, okay, this is, I'm not feeling it. It's not mm. right. It's not happening today. Um, but, you know, I, like a lot of the time you do get there, but if you've got that hook line idea to go in with, I think you're really setting the bar pretty high and it's a great starting point. Yeah, awesome. And have you done much co-writing during like, COVID lockdown and through all this change has it become like an online thing for you or yep it's all become an online thing with me which I I'm kind of liking because I can be in my pajamas um (laughs) (laughs) but um no it's it's interesting because it's I guess it's not as um personal it's it's slightly impersonal because you can't be there and you know when you walk in that room you you've been to Nashville you know you feel it when you walk in that room the vibe that's there it's the energy Mm. um so trying to portray that through a zoom um songwriting chat is different but um I think you know if uh, I think it still works Mm. I think there's still the vibe there when you hear that hook line or you hear the beginning of that melody you start and go yeah okay, okay, I can feel it's coming to life around me, you know, it's it's happening. Mm. Um, but it did turn into all, all um, Zoom songwrites and I wrote a fair bit through COVID, which is I think it gave a lot of, um, it was like an unwanted holiday, Yeah, uh, I know personally, and um, had a lot of thinking time. Yeah. And also I got stuck, stuck, I love my parents' I love my parents, but I did get stuck at their place. I was I only moved there in um, December 2019. Just I was planning on being there for like three months just till I finished getting together my deposit to buy a house. Okay, and then yeah. COVID hit and they're like, well, you can't move anywhere. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I lived with my parents for like the next eight months. <laughs> oh, how did that go? As a 30-year-old. <laughs> so I was a 30-year-old that moved back to my family's house and I went, hmm, I'm really questioning my life decisions now. (laughs) But it gave me a lot of, um, it was a bunch of things that were so great, I'm so grateful for that came out of it. Um, The songwriting, like you're sitting at home with all of your thoughts, you know, that can be a really good thing and a really bad thing. But for me, I found inspiration in it and, uh, and also the scenario that was happening for me at the time. I had just met my partner now. Um, We were in the beginning of our, you know, learning about each other dating phase. So, Mm. uh, you know, I was writing about that learning feeling and, you know, discovering who we are, uh, who each other is. And I 
had finished my last show before the lockdown um, on, it was like the beginning of March sometime and I was in Melbourne yeah. and I was driving all the way home to Harvey Bay and I called my, my, my nan on the way home who lives by herself in Sydney and I said, Nan, I'm picking you up. I'm not leaving you here in the middle of COVID because she catches public transport to go get food and go to the doctors. I said, no, you're coming home with me. So in my parents' tiny little house, there was four of us (laughs) and um, it was, it's been really great. I wouldn't have had the last year um, with my nan if it hadn't have been for COVID, you know, Um, she's, she's still with us. Everything's great. She's, she's in good health, but I, she would have been living in Sydney for a whole year, you know, yeah, and herself. I wouldn't have seen her. That's right, you know. And if she if she got sick down there, you know, that would have been the, the most horrible thing. So, mm. um, you know, I, I'm grateful for that experience. And my mum is like she's she's a bit of a hippie, so she's all about the vibe and the feeling. And if there was ever tensions running a little bit warm in the house, she'd be like, right. We're gardening today, everyone. Oh. Here's your garden shears, Nan, Jade. Here's your um, your gloves and everything. And you're going to go out and do this. You're digging up the garden. You're doing this. And we would have like a family gardening day. And family it was bees. just we, yeah, yeah. It was just we found a lot of um, a lot of you know things that we we didn't like about each other. I can say that honestly. Mm. But we also had such an amazing time together. And we wouldn't have had that time together. And I wrote mm. about that because I thought, you know, like for me, I write about everything that happens in my life or if I hear about something. Yeah. Um, and that was that was inspiration for me, you know, having that time with people that you love. is It's really special. And a lot of people weren't lucky like I was, you know. Mm. I was lucky to be stuck in COVID with my family. It was that, you know, some people were stuck alone at home, you know. So, yeah. Or with um, little children. I, all <laughs> <laughs> <Or> that <laughs> so were you stuck with little children <laughs> I've got three kids under eight yeah they're all yeah <laughs> that would have been fun mm. I, yeah I wrote, I wrote a song that was, my lockdown song was called let's go to the park because those are the three words that I heard on repeat consistently yes. for months and months <laughs> well, let's, okay. go <laughs> let's go to the park let's go to the park let's go to the park I was going to ask, what is the best advice that you have ever been given? The best advice, I know it's very cliche and everyone says it all the time, but I really believe it um, is to be yourself mm-hmm. because I think these days, and I know I, as, a, as a young person and still to now I, I argue with myself about it, but it's so easy, we are so easily led by media, social media, Uh, peer pressure, what people expect of us, what people think of us. And I got to a point when I, you know, I was very heavily kind of, I guess, being swayed by what I thought other people wanted to hear from me and wanted to see from me when I was about 22, 23. I actually, I won't go on about it, but I signed a a pretty major record deal in the UK when I was 22. And uh, it turned out to be, I spent a lot of money when I say I spent tens of thousands of dollars on solicitors and things like that to make sure it was all legit and I wasn't signing into something that, heaven forbid, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And it was legit. However, the guy was actually a professional con man and there's, um, he recently went to jail for doing this to a a couple of major A-list celebrities in America um, for the, in the, in a, the television realm of things, but he created a label and then he basically took off with the investor money that was invested into it. But 
in saying that, I was very, at the time, I was so heavily influenced by my manager at the time that was telling me I needed to be this cool rock chick and I needed to be very, you know, hardcore, borderline country, get out there, get out of your comfort zone and be this rock person. That's what they want for this record label. And then the label was sending me songs that were very rock chick and I was thinking, this isn't, it's not me. I don't know who this person is, but, you know, I live in Townsville and I was wearing leather pants to a show. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're looking at that going, that would have been 38 so degrees funny. outside, you know. <laughs> exactly. And I just, I found myself not being true to who I was and wanted to be and who I am. Mm-hmm. And after the whole deal came to an end and I I stopped playing music for a whole year, it, it broke me, the whole experience. Again, I'm grateful for it, though, because it made me realise when I finally did get back up on stage after, I think it, it was it was about, it almost been a whole year, and mm. I had to do this charity event um, for New Year's Eve, and I was crying backstage. I was petrified. I thought, you know, nobody knows who I am anymore. Nobody's seen me in a year. I haven't sung a note in a year. Yeah. I'm going to sound woeful. It's going to be horrendous. And I remember getting back up on that stage and when I finished the show with my band, everyone stood up and clapped. And I just cried even more because (laughs) I realised that I had nothing to worry about. They didn't care that I disappeared for a year. They were just excited to be there Mm -hmm. and to be celebrating the new year with me and everything like that. But also it it, it showed me that I, because I played all the songs I wanted to play that night that I didn't play any of the new stuff that we had pre-recorded for this label. The label didn't exist to me anymore and I'd moved on from that and I thought, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. And and they loved it and I was like, this is what makes me happy. Why am I swaying away from this? So I think the best information or best thing that anyone's ever said to me is just truly be yourself. And if you don't know who they're is, that's okay. You can figure it out as you go along. You know, songwriting is that that journey of um, you might start with, I mean, gosh, you know, I started off with a boyfriend many, 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 many years ago (laughs) and then I was single for five years and then I was with a boyfriend again, you know, so you can hear that in my songwriting, how much I've changed and grown as a human being but also life and family and and, um, things that happen, you know. Mm. Uh, I think You've just got to roll with the punches and just be true to who you think you are or who you actually are. I think that's beautiful. And you're right. As fans of artists, I think it's beautiful to see where someone began and to actually go through their songs and see how they evolve, I guess, as as artists and seeing what life stage they're going through because – yeah. We all go through different life stages and we will all connect to different life stages at different times. And like I was just talking to um, Catherine Britt the other day and, you know, she's a mum now and, you know, she's got these great songs on her album now that are about being a mother or things that she's learnt by going through that massive life change. Um, and then that's going to connect to different people who have also gone through that. So like... I think it's great. I've also talked to people who have released entire like EPs and albums and then like deleted everything um, because they're yeah. going through a rebrand or it's not good enough or maybe they could, got some criticism and I don't know. But I, I'm I'm a big um, – I hope I never go through that. Like I know that people do that when they get signed to big labels and stuff but I hope that what I'm doing, like what we're doing now is it goes out and then it stays there and then if I do something better, that's great. You can see 
what I've done now <laughs> and you can yes. see the improvement yeah. and I Absolutely. like doing that with other artists. So, yeah, and like I think all the greatest, um, you, you go and listen to their first stuff and then you listen to what they're doing now and you see the evolution. I think that's really cool. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. You can you can hear that journey that they went on, mm. you know, and I think that's a, that's a beautiful thing, you know. Mm. If you can portray that in your music, then you are doing your job right. Do you have any advice to someone um, and sometimes I ask this question in the way of if you could go back in time and talk to yourself when you first started songwriting, what advice would you give? I would say don't be afraid. So it's probably, you know, one of the things that I've got going on now and I know it's it's written on my to-do list this year to write my own songs by myself mm. and, I'm, and, I, and I've already started, you know. But back then I think I was so fearful of hitting a bum note mm. or singing the wrong note or or just uh, writing a song that um, didn't make sense. But Mm. I think that's where you start, you know, like we're talking about the journey, like everyone's first song isn't going to be the best song in the world. I don't think Keith Urban wrote his first song and went, yes, that's my number one hit. I think he wrote his first song and said, oh, well, that's probably no one's going to hear that, you know, (laughs) and then. And then he started writing more and realised, you know, where his talents are, you know. Mm. But I just think... I think it would just be don't be afraid of the music. Like you've got to feel it in through everything, you know. I got, um, I was lucky that my parents were extremely supportive and they took me everywhere to these shows and everything. And if anything that I could change, I'd probably change having a little more time at home rather than playing shows Mm -hmm. and actually writing more music. I I would do that. It's it's to not be afraid of the music. The music's to be embraced and to yeah. feel it in every aspect of your body. Yes, feel it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, if you could co-write with anyone in the world, living or dead, who would it be and why? Uh, Patty Lovelace. Is it Patty Lovelace that writes um, Top of the World? When I first heard that song, I absolutely, I just melted. I just melted this. And and her album that she's got, I've got it downloaded on my phone. Mm. It is, I can't even remember the name of the album because I never look at the title track. I just listen to the music. Yeah. And it is it is something that's out of this world, you know. It's, it's so next level. I can't even find it now. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> I'm failing. That's but right. I'll tell you another time. But it's. When she, she's, there's the album that she's got Top of the World on and Dixie Chicks did a cover. And when you listen to that album, the stories that she has to tell in there, she has this way of writing things that are so, some of them are so blunt and upfront, but they need to be said. Yeah. And the way she says them is just so forward that, that it's, it's like, she just goes, you know what? I've just got like, it's like verbal diarrhea and she just lets it all out in a, in, in a microphone and you listen to it and it works so well, mm. and, but it's so blunt. It mm. is so blunt. It's like calling a spade. That's a spade, you know. But the way she says it in her wording is just, it's its extremely powerful. Um, and you, I think you either love it or you hate it, but I would love to write with her. Okay. I think after hearing that album that Top of the World's on, it is just one of the most it's, it's very eerie because of, um, you know, some of the songs are very deep and dark. Yeah. And and then it's also she's just got just this light about her as well that tells this story that you can't, you know exactly what she's saying, <coughs> excuse me, but yeah. 
you can't get away from it. It's just, I don't know, I can't explain yeah. it, but she would be one of my one of my all-time favourite songwriters that I'd love to write with. I'm a rebel heart, I'm a free soul, I'm a fire out of control. I'm a summer kiss on a hot night, I'm a sparkler lighting up the sky. That's awesome. That's all of like my official questions. Do you, what have you got coming up this year? So I'm super stoked because this year, um, so I put out Do It Right last year at yes. the end, towards the end of last year. I love that. And song, by the way. thank you. It's, it's very blunt and upfront, very, um, I guess I was probably channeling my inner Patty Loveless, you know. <laughs> um, but when she, when I, when I put it out, um, I actually didn't know that it was going to become the anthem for the Mental Awareness Foundation okay. and I became the ambassador for the Mental Awareness Foundation, which was just really, it was something so amazing and so inspirational and they've got me back on board this year, which is awesome. Um, and then I, I've got a new single coming out. I'm going to tell you what it's called because I haven't told anyone yet. Yay. It's called Summertime, Sunshine and You Aww. and it's just um, it's just about... Um, being really, I don't know, it's just about feeling that whole lockdown thing and, uh, you know, going through like finding love in lockdown and, you know, where we all just want it just to be able to like talk to someone or hold someone or, yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, and it's just really simple. It's just, you know, I just want the summertime sunshine on you. Oh, that's nice. When's so, uh, so it's going to be March, um, okay. towards the end of March, which I'm super stoked about. And we've got this really awesome out-of-the-box music video that we've filmed with it as well. Unfortunately, COVID kind of delayed that, so it's coming yeah. out a bit later, but that's okay. Mm. Um, and then I'm writing a new album this year, and there will be one song on there at least that I've written by myself. I believe in you. I'm I think doing that's it. Gonna be the <laughs> I think that'll be my favourite song because I know that um, that's a fear of yours that you're facing and yeah. <laughs> it means you're being brave and courageous and you should never stop doing the things that make you scared. Um, I'm a big That's right. That. Thank so you. That's awesome. I do love Do It Right and I was going to say I'm a super cool fan of the top you were wearing. I don't know where <laughs> you got it but I was like that is such a cool outfit. Like where, where did that it come is. from? Did someone make it for you or? They did, yeah. So uh, her name is Lani Create. Well, sorry, her company's name is Lani Creative. So Claudia Williams in Brisbane is a designer I met in Townsville when she lived up there. Mm. And um, she makes things that are out of the box. She, um, so she's got this beautiful dress on display in Townsville and it's made out of a billboard skin. So, ah. you know, the, the the panel that goes on the front of a billboard and it's this big, beautiful um, princess cut dress and it is just stunning and it says Townsville on it because oh, it was the so Welcome cool. to Townsville billboard. Yeah, um, yeah, And she just does these really cool, She, I love things that are quirky and different, you know, yeah. and she she showed me this photo of um, all this patchwork of that top that I'm wearing in the music video yeah. and um, she said, look, it's very risque but... 
uh, you know, if you're interested, you can wear this and um, there's patchworks all over all over it and it's just stunning, you know, yeah. and I, I fell in love with it when I saw it because Do It Right is, you know, it's a statement. It's like do it right. You know, if yeah. you're going to do something, do a damn good job right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I was like, that's the top. I have to wear that in this music video. It's yeah. no questions asked. <laughs> if it's worth doing, do it right. If it's it worth right. doing, yeah. do, do it right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. My dad used to say that all the time. But he's like a mega perfectionist and um, and so am I. I think that's one of the reasons I didn't do anything for a very long time because like being a perfectionist in this industry is um, – <laughs> Not, not too great. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> got, got to learn to let go of some of the perfection. You're being brave and um, I have a lot of respect for the, for you and, and what you're doing. So please keep doing it. Keep releasing it. Thank keep you. playing live. And um, I'm looking forward to sharing this um, on, on the podcast. And thanks for joining the Songwriter Trist family. Thank you very much. You have a wonderful day. You too. You take care. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining our songwriter Trist today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guests, please go to the website songwritertrists.com. Crowd, no one can